You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello and welcome to the What Do You Do podcast. My name is Joe Malone and my guest on this episode of the podcast is Austin Drowdy. Austin, what do you do? I am the director of media for the North Iowa Bulls Junior Hockey Club in downtown Mason City. So director of media, um, to me, I know you as the play-by-play guy. That's what a lot of people know you as, the, uh, you know, goal and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but um, you do basically anything we're seeing and hearing Bulls is coming through you, right? At some point, yes. Either it'll come directly through me or I'll delegate it to a couple other people who help us out. But the play-by-play is 10%, 10% of what of I do. <laughs> sure. It, it may be the most um, known part of what you do. You know, besides the stand-up shots, well, uh, walk us through. What do you like? What what all do you do as as your position? It'll be everything from I I handle our social media for the team. So anything you'll see on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, ninety nine percent of that will come through me. Uh, the pro when you come to the game, the programs that you pick up if you get here early enough, those came through me. I designed those and put those together and send those out to be published uh, the the week of the game. Uh, anything that goes up on the video board, the, the pregame video content that you see when you come to the game before the guys start warming up, uh, the stand-up preview of the game that you mentioned, if you... If you're at the game 20 minutes before the game, I'll tell you, hey, so if you're interested in the actual storyline of the game, here's what that's going to be tonight. And let's talk with the coach for a couple of minutes and see what he has to say about it. So you're doing a ton of stuff. And it, it, people may think, um, and I get this too being in radio, that we got this cushy job where we just you know roll into a place and you talk. Like You yeah. just show up, plug in a microphone, and then talk about what you see in front of you, and then you go home. Yeah. <laughs> Do your four and hit the door. But that's not the case at all. Not remotely. So the the play-by-play will be going on during the game, but a lot of the features you'll see on the video board during the game, those came from me. Uh, anything you see on social media after the game, anything you see on social media during the game, because we'll post graphics and stuff during the game, those come through me. Uh, any stories that you see online. Hopefully we'll have some soon about uh, getting some of the games made up that we've missed over the last couple of months with things shut down in Minnesota. Well, yeah, depending on when you're listening to this, yeah. we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Things this. are pretty fluid. Sometime, sometime down the road and you're like, what's going on? We're in the middle of a pandemic, but yet we've been lucky enough to um, and, and safe enough here in Iowa to continue to play games and continue to host hockey contests. And uh, the the hope is that within, what, less than a week and a half, we'll be playing games again the count. Yeah. And so that's that's where that's at. Um, Now, I got a question for you. We watch uh, a video, maybe a post-game recap 
on um, Facebook or on YouTube. Right. And that gets posted up um, either the night of or the morning after a game. And it's a three-minute long video. Yep. You got interviews. You've got highlights. You've got graphics and stats. How long does it take to make something that takes me three minutes to watch? Something like that will probably take probably an hour to do. And wow. A, so and, 20 minutes for every minute. And a lot of it, is, some of it is stuff that won't even make it in there, but I might use it for other stuff. So I might be clipping five or six goals from the game. Hopefully we scored five or six goals, and it's all of those goals are ours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I may only use two or three of those for that. So it takes a lot longer than you think it will because, number one, I may not use all of it now, but I'm clipping it for something I may use later. So and, do you have a, a whole system set up? Like, say this is a goal by this player, throw it in this folder. That's a save by this goalie, throw it in that folder. How do you organize? Because there's a lot of content throughout the course of a hockey game. So every so often, usually a few times during the year, and probably not as much as I should, I will... It's goal setting time. Yeah. Yeah. I will basically take the the videos of a goal or a check or a save. And I get a lot more of those last two when we're on the road because I don't do a ton of play-by-play while we're on the road. That job is primarily the home get, team. get some photos of the yeah. game, get some raw video of the game, stuff that we can use in our video board stuff and our social media later. But I'll clip those at some point and then just stash them in a folder. And then at a few points during the year, I'll actually go back through and go, okay, all of these, I need to actually move into this folder so I can find them. They're later. the good so stuff. That's the good stuff. The things that we're going to use when we're doing a, a player profile or something along yeah. those lines. Okay. So um, you've been in your position with the Bulls for how long? So I started out as play-by-play for the Bulls in 2013. And... Uh, Started full-time with the Bulls uh, in the fall of last season. So the fall of 2019. Back the 1920 season. 1920 season, back when things were normal. reasonably normal. <laughs> That's when I started full-time with the North Iowa Bulls. It had been a, a part-time gig on the side. Started out the first couple of years as just doing play-by-play for about two-thirds of our home games. So you were doing your four and hitting the door. Pretty much. <laughs> At that point, yeah. And then over time it became, well, I want to work on, I know I'm, if I'm going to move up in this thing at all, I need to do a little bit better at my graphic design. I need to do a little bit better at my video work. Because working in, in radio, mm-hmm. especially as busy as we can tend to be with radio sometimes, you don't have a ton of time to really polish up your graphic design or your video work. So this is a chance to do that. Or probably a couple of years into it, this is back this is back when we were still on the point streak system for for scoring. So if you if you go to the Bulls website, the way that we score games, the way that the way that we bring stats changed about five years ago and the system that we had been on 
would if a team like us at that time didn't have somebody after every game to write up a game story and put it on the website, it would do it for you. And one of the things that I really noticed six years ago was I don't like reading these very much. Well, it and, was a computer. It was a computer. It was it, it was got computer. The out. It was computer yeah. generated. It got the information out, and it did it in a way that, because it's a computer, did it in a way that no human would would want to read. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And then, over time, started doing more and more and more of the of those duties, and before last season uh, I got a chance to come on board full time and uh, and do all of it all the time. So what's your favorite part? Is your favorite part putting together materials for the pregame, postgame recaps, doing player profiles, interviews with the coach, is it doing the actual play by play? Like what what do you love the most about your role here with the Bulls? It's probably the play by play. And most play-by-play guys will tell you that the play-by-play is the fun part of the job. Mm -hmm. And everything in the background is the work that has to go with that. The play-by-play, probably the preparation to do the play-by-play, because I'm a stats geek and an info geek. So you love that part. I love that part. See, that's the part I've done so little play-by-play in my career. It's tedious to me. I I don't know what it is, but... Is there a, a switch you flip, or, or you just love the stats, love the stories? I love the stats, love the stories, love hunting down all the all the background info on the guys on our team and the guys on the, the teams we play, and having people ask, where did you find that? <laughs> I can't you believe know you know things? that. Do you have his mom's number? Are you texting? Yeah. What's going on here? So um, people may have seen, you know, through like Instagram and Twitter, um, uh, play-by-play guys um, uh, spotting charts. And um, what that is is here's where this player is lined up, you know, like in the sense of a hockey game. Here's your center. Here's your forward. Here's your wings. And here's all the different lines that will be on there. So that way you have a quick visual of who's on the ice. Yeah. And so on that spotting chart, do you have little tidbits, how many goals they have, all that sort of stuff. How do you set that up? Is that something that you made yourself? It's something I made myself five or six years ago. And, okay. And I've ne- never really changed the format for it. But it's basically it's basically a numerical list of all the guys that play. And I, I notice this for, for football especially because when I'm doing like a football game, a lot of guys have spotting charts where they have all the guys lined up, offense and defense, and it, I'm the I'm a linear sort of thinker. You want one and then two. I want and then one three. and two. If I know the guy's wearing number sixty-five on the football field, I don't want to have to look at the line and go, "Well, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Is he a center? Is he?" somewhere else on this thing because he he came in is he the punter (laughs) he came in later in the game is he somewhere off in this corner of the sheet because i thought he might come in later oh he's number 65 he's going to be two-thirds of the way down the list there he is so it works the same way for for hockey too but i'll have different a different layout for 
this column is for his name, this column is height and weight, where he came from, the last team he played for, couple lines worth of tidbits and stories about this kid, the last couple of teams that he played for. Maybe he played in a national tournament when he was in Pee Wee's or something, and that info is out there. And so you just dig it, dig down and find that. Yep. So how long does it take to prep a – you're going into a series against a team we haven't played yet this year, so you don't have you know something you can look back on from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Bulls versus some team we haven't seen yet. How long does it take to prep a game? So usually for a team that – usually I'll set aside about three, maybe four minutes for per player. Okay. So for a team that has 25 guys, it may take me an hour and a half to roll through and find stuff on every single guy on the other team. But, and do you call the coaches and talk to them and ask them for stuff, or, or how does that work? On rare occasions, yes, but usually I figure Google is your best friend. Google and, and Snapchat and all the other stuff, I'm guessing. And too. there are a couple of stat websites out there that will give you the histories of where these guys have played and the numbers mm -hmm. they put up, and so – that tends to help too, but yeah, a lot of it is, a lot of it is Google searching for, for guys, and then that way, if we play them again later in the season, or they played for this team a year ago, that's why even though it's harder, it's a tougher game when we play teams full of guys that are back from last year. It makes my job a whole lot easier because you've got the notes because I've already got the notes from last year and what's going on. So you mentioned um, football. Um, you got your start in radio. Yep. Uh, is where, where this all began. Uh, were you sports right away in radio? Yes. Okay. And call in all kinds of sports? Everything. I think I've heard you do volleyball. Everything from volleyball. Volleyball is how I got my first oh, job. Oh, was that the first one? Yep. Okay. Volleyball was the demo tape that got me my first job. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was basketball, a little bit of wrestling, which I'm still awful at. I don't mind admitting. That's the, and I went to Wartburg. I'm an Iowa kid from Wartburg, and, and wrestling is my wrestling. worst sport. <laughs> so, um, out of all the sports that you call, is hockey your favorite to call? If you can pick a favorite, is it the easiest or most difficult, or somewhere in between? Hockey's probably probably somewhere in between now. Okay, it's by far my favorite one to call, and basketball is probably the easiest one because that's where I started. Okay. Are there similarities between basketball and hockey in the respect that there's a lot going on all the time? Now, basketball has more breaks than hockey yeah. in the middle of the action, um, where football and baseball, there's a lot of time to fill uh, in between plays. But hockey, I mean, you're going for yeah. a half hour straight, 45 minutes straight until you get to a period break. Is that difficult? To learn how to do that? It it can be. The nice thing with hockey is you don't, for that reason, you don't have to, you don't have to fill very often. Basketball, sometimes you do, but not very often. Um, the thing with hockey, I think, that makes it different from basketball, the biggest difference between hockey and a lot of sports is it's very free-flowing. So there, there are certain landmarks that you'll find on the ice. You know, your face-off dots, your circles, your hash marks, the slot in front of the net. But with basketball, every, those certain points that you find 
on the court. Your top of the key, your wing, your corner. Your timeline. Your, your, your 10-second line, your posts. A lot happens at those little spots. Where in hockey, it's, it's very free-flowing. You use those to describe what's going on, but it's it doesn't move from point to point very often. So which action in hockey do you have the most adjectives? I don't know English very well or verbs for, you know, help me out here, but which with like a shot versus a save, you've got to come up with a lot of different ways to describe this. And I hear it because I do the PA announcing for the Bulls. So I'm right next to Austin on game day for every home game. And you're saying all kinds of, I, I don't mean crazy in a bad way, but all kinds of crazy stuff to describe the action that's taking place. Which one do you have the most verbs for, adjectives for? It's got to be puck movement, especially especially a pass. Slides it, tosses it. Slides it, tosses it, works it. There's a, there's a list somewhere on the Internet. I know I have it bookmarked, but I can't remember what, what website it's from. Doc Emmerich, who just retired from doing Stanley Cup games for NBC. He's he's known he's legendary for this. He's done the Olympics and the Stanley Cup and every hockey event known to man. I I was listening to an interview he did. He's now filling in for the high school team in his community in Michigan. <laughs> Because some, somebody was out with, I, I don't know if they caught the COVID or what, but all of a sudden, could you imagine being a high school kid and all of a sudden Doc Emmerich <laughs> Wouldn't is that be calling great? your game? <laughs> what? <laughs> but somebody put together, a, it was a USA-Canada game, World Championships, Olympics, one of the two from about 10 years ago. And somebody took the time to write out a list of every word that he used to describe moving a puck up and down the ice, a pass, a clear, whatever. And it was over a hundred long. Wow. <laughs> so that that's that's kind of the gold standard that I always shoot for and know I'll never get to. And some of them some of them on there, I actually did this when the Bulls I think the year the Bulls won our last national title in twenty sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. I printed off that list before the playoffs started. And I said, okay, by the time the playoffs are over, I want to use ev almost every word on this list, except for a few that I crossed off ahead of time because I know I can't use this. You're not going to remember to fit, fit that in. So did you have a, a pen and the list, and were you checking them yep. off as you go? Yep. So you're writing down assists and checking off so, phrases so that you So used. at the end of at the end of every game, I go... Okay, I know I use that one. Cross it off. I know I use that one. Cross it off. I know I use that one. Cross it off. And then there were a few that I crossed off to begin with that I said, if I say this, it's going to sound like Doc. It's not going to sound like me. I would never use this word on my own, and I'm not going to use it now. You just give me a great idea for um, fans to watch. You know, obviously it's better to have them out here uh, at the arena. But for fans watching the game on hockey TV, we need Austin Bingo. And you just write down <laughs> some of the most obscure things that you would say, and then fans watching the game can check them off. And then if you get a bingo, you tweet it at the Bulls and you win like a hat. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I know I've heard of, of broadcasters. Every so often they will they'll invite 
submissions from their friends or fellow broadcasters. I want you to give me a word. <laughs> give, me, give me an obscure word. <laughs> give me an obscure word and challenge me to put it in the broadcast somewhere. I I know at one point when I was doing high school softball. This must have been four, five, six years ago because it's right after the movie came out and it was the biggest thing that everybody was talking about. I managed to work Sharknado into a softball game. And she's winding up like a Sharknado. Here's the pitch. <laughs> now, do you, um, now you, you were talking about planning out to use these words, you know, as many as you could during the um, cup run in 16. Do you plan out what you're going to say for moments like if um somebody is about to score their 30th goal of the season do you have something written down that you're going to like a special way you're going to say that so does that just happen sometimes i'll mentally run through it if i know it's it's coming but a lot of a lot of the ones that you do that for are bigger ones that sometimes don't happen so you're not planning it out. It's just I'm, you've worked it through like in your mind or on the drive to the arena, but it's not like written down. If right. Cal Noss scores his third goal this game, I got to say this about it. Yeah. Or whatever it may be. Okay. Now, when it comes to uh, interviewing players and doing the sports reporter portion of your job, is there an answer you never want to hear again from a player post game? <laughs> Not necessarily, but I think it's... Like a cliche. Yeah. Is there a cliche that you wish would go away? Because anybody that watches Sports Center and all that sort of stuff, you know, we hear the cliches, and I'm just wondering, do you, are, are you like, oh, I know how he's going to answer this question. <laughs> I know exactly what he's about to say. I, I think the phrase that has become cliche in hockey, I'll give 110%, is the one that okay. fits across the board. But... I think we've managed to get to work pucks deep. Work pucks deep. Work pucks deep. Okay. That's we, a popular one. We we need we need to work pucks deep and So when you're when you're interviewing somebody post game, how much preparation do you put into that? Because that's a pretty spur of the moment thing. Afterwards, you know, this this action, this event just took place. You were part of it in the play-by-play booth. They were part of it on the ice. Um, do you have a narrative that you're trying to get out of a post-game interview, or are you just going for natural reaction to what took place? I'm going for a little bit of natural reaction. There, there are usually a couple of things that I'll kind of run through in my mind. Okay, I want to hit this. I want to hit this. But beyond beyond that, it's it's pretty much, you know. Tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. We worked pucks deep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nat- natural reaction to the game. You just played in the game. Mm-hmm. So, and we haven't had a lot of time to to go over what happened. So, in your words, tell me what, what happened. happened. Yeah. No, I, I know um, in talking with players, doing a quick little two, three question thing on the ice, there, Which I have occasionally borrowed from. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Um, the, the thing that I'm amazed at with athletes is how in the moment they are and how much they can recall with the action on the ice. Yeah. I don't know if it's just that I'm getting old and, or I'm busy doing other things while the game is happening, but the ability for them to remember who was where and how a play went down 
is amazing to me to have them be able to recall that just like that. I think it's got to be from them being directly involved in it where we're just kind of kicking back and watching what happened. Yeah. A hundred and I don't know how many feet we are off yeah. the ice, but wherever we're at, and I'm getting music queued up and figuring out scripts and all this other stuff. And and, and we're both working on the big picture because we've got two and a half hour game to focus on where if if I'm right in the middle of a play and I scored on that play You're gonna and it just that. happened, yeah, I'm going to remember every detail. Do you have a, a, a favorite feature that you've done uh, for the Bulls? Ooh. Probably, probably the one, and it's not a regular feature. It was a, it was a one-off after the last home weekend last season. If you were out at the Peoria game the night of the Jersey auction that Saturday night, you might remember this, where we had three and a half minutes into the game, a puck from one of the North Iowa players get shot off the back inside top bar of the goal frame and pop back out. Red light never went on, and the net barely moved, but the referee who's standing there perfectly on the goal line sees the puck go in and out that fast. Blows his whistle. Everybody's wondering why, and he just points to the goal and skates away. I and, remember and this And 2,000 people are in the building like, wait, did he just call it a goal? Did we just score? That's what, well, 2002, because yeah. we're up there too. Like, wait, what happened? Oh, hit the goal horn. Hit the goal <laughs> horn. Austin, start screaming goal. We did, something happened. And, and then at the end of the second period, one of the Peoria players beat the horn by less than a tenth of a second to score the last goal of the period. The middle of that, one of the things that I love about having the GoPros, we have a GoPro up on the glass at the end of each each end of the ice. We were able to pull the video from the GoPros and actually be able to break down how both plays happened. Did they get them right? They did. How close? How close was it? How quick did these plays happen? And it got a it got a lot of great reaction on social media. I a lot think, of views. A yeah. lot of views. I think you shared it to, on your page as well. But uh, the goal that North Iowa scored off the back bar of the goal, the puck was in and out of the net in less than two tenths of a second. Like a couple of frames. Yeah. Of video. And yeah. and the goal that Peoria scored at the end of the period we were able to figure out through the GoPro video that it beat the horn because you can see the green light at the other end of the the other end of the ice when the period ends that green light goes on it's instant it just locks everything up yeah it locks everything out that red light will not turn on if the green light is on for just that reason and it beat the horn by a 15th of a second was that the was that the Jonathan Morrison game yes too that was a weird night that was our last home game, wasn't it? There was one was the there following more? night okay. against Wilmer. Okay. Yeah, that was a weird night because then the playoffs were supposed to start and yep. the pandemic hit and everything else. But in that game, um, the, was it the referee? The referee went down two whistles after the 
the Kalnoskol. The Kalnoskol. Yeah. Went down. He did not return to the game. I think he may have had a concussion or a head injury or something that he was not in a position to come back into the game. So we went for the rest of the first period with two officials, where normally you'd have three. And in that instance, the linesmen are able to call offsides, icing, penalties. Take on all the responsibility. Yeah, every responsibility is theirs. But a good, two good junior hockey teams, you can't run a game with two officials. You don't want to. You don't want to. And, and so Jonathan Morrison's wife was in the stands at the game. She was she was part of the figure skating. Oh, for okay. the uh, for the first intermission show. And he is he's um done Big Ten games. He's done. He does Big Ten games. Eight. He's in the American Hockey League. Yeah. He's done I think the Paralympics once or twice. So, so high level stuff. He he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he happens to live in Mason City, not very far from downtown. <laughs> at all so and he happened to be home that weekend so his wife sent him a message five minutes into the game and says um the referee just went down i don't think he's coming back so within one period he had his jersey on with the orange armbands but we also had one of the linesmen who is assigned as a linesman to our game, sometimes does the referee work for other games in our league. So he had his referee jersey with him as a backup, and one of the linesmen from the Mohawk High School game earlier in the afternoon had stuck around to watch our game. So obviously he's still got his equipment here. So we went from three officials to two officials, to four officials in barely 15 minutes of game time. I forgot how crazy that game was. Um, We had probably our fight of the year with Nick Bolin in the final few minutes of the game. We had a jersey auction bidding war for Carter Wagner's jersey. Well, was that the fight of the year at this rink? At this rink, yes. At this rink. I don't because I wouldn't say that was the fight of the year, but yeah, okay. And then it, I didn't mean to interrupt. But. And then we had the bidding war for Carter Wagner's jersey that pushed it over, I think fifteen hundred bucks yeah. during the jersey auction that night. But uh, I put that video together with those two bang bang calls. How close was it? And broke down the the footage. You were like the sports science guy. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's what I had in mind yeah. when I did it, and. I put it out on our on our YouTube and our social media. You'd sent it around your page and mm-hmm. shared it probably within what a half hour. Yeah, as soon that. as I saw it. Yeah. And I got a message from Jonathan Morrison later on that night. He goes, "Were you the one that put that together? That was really good." <laughs> and he says, "I've already sent it to to." Uh, the head of officiating for the officials development program and a couple people with the league to show them, hey, we're getting these right. Yeah. Uh, and, and and you guys you guys should have your tires pumped for it. Exactly. And well, they should. And it's and it's you know, as a fan, you may watch and you think the red light signifies the goal. 
It's the ref yep. that signifies the goal. And sometimes uh, your your The goal, goal judge, judge is an advisor. Yeah. Sometimes your goal judge is as exactly as quick as the referee. Yep. You know, sometimes they beat the referee by a half a second. You know, that sort of stuff. But just because the light doesn't go on doesn't mean it's a goal because they may be obstructed. And if the red light does go on, and I this happened in one of the St. Louis games, I think. Maybe it was one of the Sheridan games at the Holiday Classic where North Iowa scored a goal and the red light goes on, the puck is in the net, and immediately the referee skates over and says, no, I got a player who crashed into the goalie before the puck got in. It's not a goal. So the red light goes on. That doesn't automatically mean that the guy running the scoreboard is going to put one up on the board for you. And then you got to go and tell everybody, this wasn't a goal because this happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the bearer of bad news. I'm the gift horse. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger, <laughs> yeah. please. Now, do you have a, a favorite or memorable moment that you have called um, in your, well, we'll say Bulls career or in your other broadcasting career? Probably, I'd have to say probably the, uh, the national championship. In, in 2016? In 2016. And bring us through that. What what made that? I mean, obviously it's a championship, but what what about that? What were you thinking? What was what was the mood? Were you nervous about calling a big game like that? I that was my first Silver Cup back then. We call it the Fraser the Fraser Cup now, but that was the first time that I had called a national tournament for North Iowa. And before that tournament, I had called or emailed every coach in in the league to get a few minutes with them to go over, you know, tell me how your season went. Let's talk about some of your top players. Um, I'll get some name pronunciations for you because if I don't, I know I'm going to mess a few of these up, up, and I'm going to hear about it in the middle of the tournament, and that's not something you want to deal with. And I remember thinking, okay, I am more prepared for this tournament maybe than I've been for any other game that I've called in three years. I'm driving over from Hampton, where I was working, to Chicago for the tournament. Why am I so nervous? <laughs> I've got everything I need. Yeah, I've got everything I need. And then the game starts, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a hockey game. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. That sort of deal. That is, yeah, those those big games are fun. Because it's especially when it ends the right way. Yes. Yeah, the the way that – are you a homer? Yeah. Let me, let me just ask that question. I am – to a reasonable extent, yes. I – I think it was Tom Bowman who who handles uh, the talent for what's Learfield IMG College now. So all of the basically any college event you hear on the radio. Basically any division 1 college yeah. event you hear on the radio, he has something to do with hiring and and retaining the the broadcasters they have. And I remember a quote from him where he said, "You are a homer for whoever signs your check." I've seen you make that quote. Yep. Yeah. And essentially, yeah, you if you are calling a game for a certain team where 97% of the time I'm calling it for the North Iowa Bulls, 
it might be a neutral call where we've I've filled in, say, on our games up at New Ulm before a few times, or for a tournament, or an NAPHL game, where I don't have any dog in the fight whatsoever. Those, I'll always play down the middle. But when I'm calling a game for us, I think you are as much of a homer as you can be. A fan. And still be honest. With so, the people listening. If the other, well, because the thing is, you know, people either tuning in to listen to the audio stream or tuning in to watch the video stream. With know, the audio piped into yeah, it. Yeah, with the audio on it. You're not necessarily a Bulls fan. You know, you might be a Granite City fan. Yeah. You might be a, a Peoria fan or whoever it is that we're playing at that point in time. So if the other team does something good, I mean, you acknowledge that. You, yeah. you share some, oh, wow, look at that play. And you have to. You're not going to lie to your your viewer or your he listener. He got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. Well, yeah, I mean, he put it through his legs and then did a Michigan around the far post, but, yeah, it wasn't that great. Yeah. Uh, I've no. seen better. I've yeah. seen better Michigans. <laughs> Don't lie to your listener. <laughs> yeah. So um, when it when it comes to doing play-by-play, did you start in radio or did you ever, like, go to games and bring a tape recorder and uh, sit at home and watch on it with the TV volume down? Were you one of those guys? I was one of those guys who would do it to the video game. Oh, okay. That I was playing as a kid. And then actually got the chance to do it for real uh, freshman year at Wartburg. This is, like, 2006. Okay. Winter break, women's basketball game against Nebraska Wesley, and who is in their conference now, but wasn't then. So, like, this is the last thing I get to do before I drive home for winter break. Everybody else is gone. And we're playing at West Gym, which, if you're familiar with Wartburg College, you will know is not in Waverly. So, it's a Division Three women's basketball game 20 miles off campus. There aren't that many people there. Okay. I'm, I'm not that familiar. You're setting a scene, but I'm not that familiar with it. But now I get where you're at. Yes. But it was, it was a big game for me because it was my first one. It was a lot of fun. It was something I signed up to do and wanted to do anyway. And after the first one is out of the way, I'm like, yeah, this was fun. I want to keep do doing again. this. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. So which video games did you uh, do the play-by-play on? Uh NHL 99 and okay. NHL 2000. Those are the ones? Those are the right. ones. Triple play 99. Oh, going old school. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the old Joe Montana sports talk football. NCAA football 99. <laughs> See, I think I did that with Madden. I had to fill in um, and do color with uh, Dorn Camp okay. um, for a Mohawk game. And uh, this is football. And I, I've loaded up whatever Madden I had, Madden 17, and I'm just like, this is weird just doing color. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That was I, a really great run. <laughs> like, doing the play-by-play, I think, would be easier than the color. The color, you have you have to be able to analyze yeah. what's going on in front of you. And work off somebody. Yeah. Yeah, practicing color by yourself, does it's, it's a fruitless pa- uh, um, pursuit. It's not going to work. So what do you um, what do you see for the rest of the season? Um, we're here at 2021 season. It is uh, beginning of January. Uh, do you think we're going to get this thing done? I think we're going to get it done. Uh, hopefully we'll 
be able to uh, work all 40 games in. We're at 14, 15 okay. right now, so we're in we're in better shape than some of the other teams around us are. But I I think we'll get we'll get to the finish line. I don't know if the race will be quite as long, long as we expected it to be. Now, there's a chance of, instead of just doing like Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, that games may be popping in all over the place. Does that make your job more difficult? It it compresses it a little bit, which, yeah, makes it, uh, makes it a little bit more difficult. Now, uh, what advice do you have to somebody that wants to get into the sports media, sports broadcasting line of work? What should somebody do if they're either A, a kid, or B, like 50 and... They're like, you know what? I can do what Austin does. <laughs> you know, what, uh, what, what sort of advice have you gotten in your career that has been beneficial to you? Learn everything you can because you never, you never know when it's going to be useful. So the only way that I got my first gig in, in radio, and it's the way that I ended up with the hockey team, is by doing volleyball, which I only knew because I was doing the volleyball beat for the newspaper at Wartburg before I actually started doing play-by-play for it. Uh, If you want to move up, you never know what an organization is going to emphasize. So depending on what team you're looking for would like to work for, they may be looking for somebody who's really good with multimedia, like North Iowa is. They may be looking for someone who is solid on graphic design, or they may put their emphasis on social media. They may want you to do sales and just do sales and play-by-play. You don't know exactly what emphasis you're going to be asked to take on but if you know how to do a lot of different things, it opens a lot of different doors. So just learn. Learn. Practice. Tinker. Yep. All that. So, and get a copy of Triple Play 99. <laughs> <laughs> Turn down the volume. I'm trying to remember. Was that regular PlayStation or was that PS2? I think that was regular PlayStation. I don't think PS2 was out yet. I can't remember when PlayStation 2 came out. We're on 5 now. Oh, my goodness. Well... well a select few of us are on five. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not on I'm five not. yet either. I'm not. Maybe, maybe if we make a deep playoff run, get some of those playoff <laughs> checks in, then then we can do that. So, what's your favorite part about game day? When it's over, no. Uh, <laughs> do you get hyped during the um, um, opening video and the national anthem and all that stuff? Because that to me is one of my favorite parts of the game. I actually do. And part of part of the fun is part of the fun is seeing the lights go down with 5 minutes left before starting lineups come out. And seeing the video go up on the board and hearing the reaction around the arena and being able to say I did that. I made these people I made these people do that. Pay attention. Because I mean, the lights go down. It's like that from for whatever reason, and hopefully movie theaters make it through this pandemic because I don't want that reaction to go away. Yes, but it's one of those things where 
you know, when you're a kid and you go to the theater and the lights go down, you know, it's that moment of anticipation. What am I going to see? The show is about to start. You know, and I think that's that's this, just awesome. This is real now. Yeah. This is about to happen. No, for me, that's that's my favorite part is getting ready for that, followed up uh, by a goal, you know, having a goal happen and just the, the cheering and the everything else that takes place. And then probably uh, a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so we got pregame ceremony, we got goals, and we got fights, I would say, are my, my three favorite at a hockey game. That's, that's probably... That's probably close to mine. Probably one of the more underrated times for me is when I know all the setup is done and I know everything is in the right spot because then I know all the work that I've put in to set things up and put things in the right spot. It's done, and I can start using it now. Kind of a a zen moment yeah. where it's like I'm set up. I'm good. Let me just take a deep breath here. You because know, that's one of the, you know, I asked you, what would you um, suggest to people that want to get into the sports media line of work? Mm-hmm. I would add to it, uh, remember that your job is probably, if not 90%, darn near, 90% preparation, and then the rest is performance. And 90% of that preparation you might not use. Yeah. And then the performance aspect comes after the you know, plan the work, work the plan. Yep. That sort of deal right there. But if you have that preparation done, it, it could be putting together your storylines and stuff to talk about during the game. It could be setting up your your equipment and your taping your mics to the glass. Or going down and talking to the coach to figure out how to pronounce the kid's name from, um, you know, whatever Eastern European country. Yeah. And then he doesn't even play. And you're like, oh, I spent all this time <laughs> phonetically writing out this kid's name. But if you have it, it's better to need it. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not, and not have it. it. Learning a lot today. Um, the What Do You Do podcast, our guest today has been the, uh, give me your title. I'm going to mess it up. Director of Media. Direct, there, that, that I can remember. <laughs> Director of Media, Austin Drowdy from the North Iowa Bulls. Thanks, Austin. Absolutely.